Tea, the podcast from political blog, The Groucho Tendency. Two halves make a whole. That's what, how it is at The Groucho Tendency, as it is with most things in life. You routinely hear me, Mike Indian, on these podcasts. I am the Gratcha Tendencies founder and author. However, there is another person who writes Gratcha Tendency. He's been at the site almost as long as I have, but you don't often hear us both in the same place. He's, of course, my very good friend and, of course, the Tory activist, Tim Patmore. And I'm delighted to say we are finally doing a podcast with the two of us together. Hello, Tim. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Mike? I'm very good. We are doing this over Zencaster again. Uh, I am in London and Tim is in Oxford. So we are going to be using the miracles of technology to speak. We, we've been talking about doing this for, for quite a while now, haven't we? We haven't really managed to find a, find a time we've both been available until today. So I yes. think it's kind of interesting. We're going to do our usual kind of topical topical roundup of, of the news and see what's happening. So we are kind of at the end of week 10 or 11 or 12 in in lockdown now how are you feeling about how it's all going so far tim well it's it, it they, they i did watch that charlie brooker program the other night the uh, anti-viral wipe and he was saying about how it's been was it 10 million years since the start of lockdown and it, <laughs> it does feel like that sometimes <laughs> and uh, yes it's amazing how even though at the start of lockdown, I didn't have much to do personally. So suddenly you get busy during lockdown. And you're wondering how you fitted all that stuff in before, or all this, all the stuff you did. What you know, how how you fitted in like uh, two hours of commuting a day, and but somehow I managed. I managed so. It is mad, isn't it? I mean, you and I have both been isolating with our with our partners for the last couple of weeks. We have we have chatted on the phone a couple of times as well, just to have a, a bit. We haven't talked much about politics, have we? So um, how do you feel the government's been doing so far? Because if you read the papers, watch the news and look at the opinion polls, the standing has slipped a lot in the last three months or so. Yes, it's... It's far from as good as I, I want it to be. I, I, I do want them to, obviously the, fi- the figures underlying things are not great. And I would say in mitigation of that, the, the figures are, uh, are counted different ways in different countries. But I still think we could be doing a much better job tackling it. And I know that, you know, you, you might expect me to defend the party line here, but it's it's one of those things that has been really sort of on my mind and yes yeah, so I, I feel that they could do a lot more and I've come across various international approaches that have been tried and we are doing various things but say, say with the the flights people coming in quite concerned that we took ages to get onto that and that we didn't act on it straight away because most other countries did they said if you come in, we, uh, you're going to quarantine for two weeks, or they had laser mm-hmm. thermometers, or this sort of thing. And yeah, I'm, I'm quite sad that that's uh, not been done quicker. But I mean, it's definitely improved since uh, Boris had the illness. They have been onto it and getting those figures down. So that's what I'd say. I mean, as we, as we speak, the we have to say, although the as that we speak in the day following the deaths passing forty thousand, which sounds like a lot, we're the second country in the world to record forty thousand deaths related to COVID nineteen. 
But at the same time, lockdown has begun to ease. The number of new infections, the number of hospital admissions, and the number of deaths over a seven-day rolling average is routinely falling. Mm. So the government seems to have this under control. And yet there's been a sense, I think, perhaps from to do with the testing. So obviously we're working our way towards that 200,000 test target that we have entered a more conventional political time now. There was a period a few weeks ago, wasn't there, when they... You know, we had that sort of politics seem to have been suspended. And I mean, who, who in your mind have been the really standout performers for the Conservative Party during this period, including the Prime Minister himself? Well, Matt, Matt Hancock has been very consistent and good on this front. And from what I've seen of Michael Gove as well, both, both of them have been a great stabilising influence. And I mean, but Boris has... I did read an article the other day saying, I think it was a blog that I read called The Article, and it was saying about how we wish we could have the old Boris back in some ways. But I don't think he's really gone away. It's just oh, yeah. it's, it, it, this sort of crisis is quite hard. And mm-hmm. th- th- this article was saying, oh, he's such a humorous chap and so on, we should just bring that back. And I think that's still there un- underneath it all. Uh, I think it's just uh, these are quite testing times. I mean, have we seen a more serious side to the Prime Minister? Because I, I think he, he has been through a lot. It's fair to say that he's sort of his his public persona throughout his political career has been one of joviality, it's been one of sound bites, it's been one in which he has sought to play the fool at times. But that, that doesn't really seem to me to be the most appropriate tone for a national leader. And obviously in the last three months he's not only had a very serious hospitalization, he's also had a a young child and he's got a wedding coming up as well so do, do, do you want to see a jovial boris back at this particular time one thing he's developed becoming prime minister is he's curtailed a lot of the the with with some of the humor he uses it can be inappropriate at times and i think there was times where he wanted to go for the gag and the gaff uh, and, and a gaff would come out and i think it's 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 good that he's become much more serious and 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 is not sort of constantly trying to be the clown uh, i think it, it suits him mm. it's, it's definitely something that's developed in the last year or two it, the more serious side of him and right now it, what this article is saying is by a chap called daniel johnston who is the main writer on uh, on the article is mm. he, he was saying that that would lift our spirits and i think i agree with him it's tricky though because he needs to sort of lift our spirits, but at the same time, be use the right words, which is a difficult balance for, especially for him to strike. Uh, but I'm sure he could manage it. I mean, the prime minister's been noticeably visible since he came back from his sick leave. Obviously, he's had to deal with not only the national crisis but also the Dominic Cummings situation. Although it's been over a couple of weeks now, and we seem to have mostly moved on from that. Now it's fair to say. I mean, it's been a fortnight since the story broke, and the media are no longer seem to be vying for Mr. Cummings' resignation. Last time I saw the Prime Minister up close, apart from PMQs, is when he went before the Liaison Committee a couple of weeks ago. And he looked to me like somebody who was under a lot of pressure, understandably, but I couldn't help but wonder if he'd come back to work too soon, Tim. Because, I mean, he's not a young man. He's not in the best of shape. And I, I do worry that he's got if he's got the stamina to get through this, if he's having to expend all this energy, having to defend some idiot driving to Durham. <laughs> well, I wouldn't characterise it in that way, but he—I I felt he did manage that quite well. He—I uh, remember 
reading, I think it was last weekend, uh, he basically had told off Dominic Cummings. He'd said he'd made the judgment call as to whether he'd done the right thing. And in his judgment, Dominic Cummings had done the right thing. But then he sort of did the managerial thing and saying, look, don't do this again. We don't need another media firestorm. And I mm. think that was the, the correct approach. And it has gradually gone away. There has been re- replacing it, I guess, is there's been similar controversies with other people breaking lockdown. And I, I think with Dominic Cummings, it was an unusual set of circumstances, but I think it was justified. But yeah. with, with a lot of other people, there, there's a lot of people who think it's that, given license to, to break lockdown, which I don't think it does. I think no. we have to stick in lockdown. And I mean, we were saying we didn't want to discuss the uh, the protests. I think the protests are... <laughs> we can uh, touch them a little bit, I think, yeah. Yes, I, I think that that's a very difficult one. I think in... in that people should have the right to protest and i think as long as they stick with social distancing and i read on the bbc earlier it said oh you're allowed to do anything outdoors and i'm like well no that's not quite correct there's still the rule of the group of six but Mm. i i think ultimately the right to protest overrides that and but that there are it's it's very very difficult at the moment because you want people to stick to the rules but equally you need to give them the right to protest and I personally am going on one of the protests mm. uh, uh, next week, but I will be staying within the rules. It, but I, I think when I say that, a, fr- a friend of mine is going to confirm it, but I think it's uh, Black Lives Matter. Uh, as, as far as I'm, there, there, is, there isn't one set up yet, but I am planning to go on one. One could imagine that it might be possible to have a socially distanced protest in speaking broadly here in in Oxford. I mean, the scenes outside that has the Parliament this week have have, have expressed have led some to express concern about whether or not it's possible. Uh, I had a friend of mine try to organise a protest for self-employed people. I pointed out it probably wouldn't look like the best optic during full lockdown to have a bunch of people turn up. But I mean, it's a shame the only yes. other protests that have appeared in the media now have been the the people who were anti-lockdown protesters themselves claiming it was all some sort of great infringement of civil liberties. But you're someone on the right here. You're, you don't feel the, the lockdown's been a, an infringement too far, do you? Do you think they've got, the government's got it about right in its approach? I think it's got it about right. Um, I always remember that there was a great Bill Maher New Rules where he talks about the Benjamin Franklin quote saying that those who trade liberty for security deserve neither. It's like, well, actually, sometimes you do need to trade liberty for security. It's, it's a trade-off you should be aware of, and where where possible, you should uh, allow uh, as much liberty as possible within the law. But you shouldn't, especially when it comes to security, you shouldn't just sort of say, oh, no, I'm going to keep all my liberty and, and all that. And I guess this is the ultimate example of it, because we've had to all take these impingements on our, our freedoms and liberties. But it's been necessary, uh, in in my judgment. And I mean, Peter Hitchens is the ultimate person who's been against lockdown, uh, and he's sort of said, you know, it spreads easier indoors and and so forth. He, he actually lives in Oxford, by the way, Peter Hitchens. I don't know if you know. Really? Have you, have you ever seen him yes, around? Yes, once or twice. <laughs> I don't imagine he's the most cuddly character you could approach and ask for a, a chat about. It's, that's not the way he comes across, but maybe maybe I'm wrong there. So obviously lock, lockdowns, it's become something of a of a 
of a way of life for us now. I mean, we're, we're just starting to kind of get back to some semblance of, of nor- normality. For, for me, so far, I mean, we talked about before we started about a vibrant opposition here. We we are in a, we are in an unusual phase, aren't we? Because this obviously wasn't what either of us thought was going to define this government in the next four years. And it feels like the longer this goes on, the more the government's going to be at mercy of events. I mean, I I have wondered if if Boris Johnson may be a prime minister for five years rather than ten because of this. Because I wonder if he might deal with COVID nineteen, then decide in twenty twenty four perhaps that he's had enough and let Rishi Sunak get on with it. Mm. Um, particularly, he's already been been ill. Mm. Do you think the government? can retain enough of its agenda because this this is one of the reasons why Jacob Rees-Mogg said the Commons should come back in person the week that we record mm. this that, the, that he argued the government had a manifesto I, I think a very thin manifesto to be that it was it was elected on back in December mm. to deliver and he argued MPs had to be in the, in person to do that do you think the government can get its program back on track in the wake of COVID-19? I think it can I think a lot of the stuff the government's doing will actually help with making crises like this in the future better i mean one that comes to mind is i remember boris went to i think it was called the florence nightingale hospital in manchester and it has these very thin corridors and is the building hasn't changed in 150 years and he wants to pour money into renewing the hospitals i mean do, do you remember britain schools of the future that happened up to 20 yes the 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 the, the school program that the coalition scrapped yes uh, it, i mean it was very expensive and but it did have some great virtues it rebuilt a lot of the buildings within the state sector within the education sector should i say the state sorry i'm getting in a muddle there and 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 what boris has proposed i is broadly that so renewing buildings but in uh, the NHS with it with certain hospitals. He's not doing a full program of all the hospitals because a lot of them don't need doing necessarily. But he's uh, yeah. he's prioritising the ones that are not fit for purpose. And at the moment, they say COVID nineteen is mostly in the northwest and southwest. I think it is pr- primarily northwest. Yeah, and a lot of the hospitals he wanted to tackle were up in that region. And I think that it. it it, it it his existing program will help with that, as will the infrastructure. Although saying that, I think yeah. he's going to have to co- cancel a couple of projects because the deficit this year will just be huge, probably. Well, they're projecting it to be between two hundred billion and potentially five hundred billion, which would put it as as the largest post-war deficit. Obviously. I, I can probably guess your answer to this. We're expecting to see in the coming weeks the government's announcement for an economic rescue package because we've had the most sort of immediate responses but obviously the government has to think about the longer term recovery Mm. now the policy exchange on friday called for the government to cut taxes and overhaul the bank of england's what it called the bank of england's restrictive remit Mm. in order to encourage growth do you think the government should be looking to cut taxes in the wake of this rather than raising them I'm, I, I, as uh, having studied economics, I always stand on two pedestals. I think during a crisis, Keynesianism is is the way. So if we need to come out of this crisis, I'd say, and we and we do, we should spend spend the money. So with tax cuts, if I think done in the right way, that could work. If that's the chosen method of stimulus, there are you could do spending 
uh, on various things that would uh, feed into the economy. But uh, if they say cut taxes like they've done with income tax thresholds, they they make sure that the money goes into the pockets of people, uh, the people at the, the bottom of the scale. That does, in terms of economics, if you put it in the, in if you give tax cuts to the very wealthiest, then they don't tend to spend it; they tend to save it. If you want an economic stimulus, you give it to the poorest in society or the middle classes, and that will help. But I, I guess what I'd say is yes, I'd be up for certain tax cuts, but 